Today's episode of Club 15 is truly special. It is such an honor to welcome Yoko Watanabe, Global Manager of the Global Environmental Facility Small Grant Program. Yoko's work unites 127 countries, all working to solve Earth's most pressing environmental challenges. The GEF Small Grant Program has provided over $1 billion of funding worldwide since its inception. $1 billion! Here's a list of global issues that Yoko and her team are working on. Yoko will give us examples of powerful change happening with these critical topics. Biodiversity, climate change, international waters, land degradation, organic pollutants, mercury, sustainable forest management, food security, sustainable cities. I'm certain that there is something on this list that will inspire you to take action. The fact is, it's up to our generation to mend this planet, and time is running out. I hope you will take something you learned today, dig deep, and make a plan to learn as much as you can and then take action. Let's go! It's with great excitement that I welcome Yoko Watanabe to Club 15. Okay, to start off, can you tell us where you're located and what your job is? Hi, Kate. Uh, Great to be here. My name is Yoko Watanabe. I am actually in New York City in Manhattan right now. Um, I work at um, United Nations Development Program, and I'm a global manager um, managing a program called the small, um, GF Small Grants Program. So I'll explain about that later. Awesome. Okay, so what did you do before you started working at the GEF Small Grant Program? Great. So before that, I was actually working in Washington, D.C. at the GEF, the Global Environment Facility, managing biodiversity programs. And then before that, I was actually in um, Mongolia and Nepal, managing um, environmental projects on the ground, doing protected area management with the rangers and species conservation like snow leopard conservation, tiger conservation, and all that on the ground. So I spent about total six years in the countries. Um, I've also worked in Rwanda um, in Africa where I've seen the gorillas and protected areas and uh, worked on that as well. Okay. As I mentioned before in my intro, you work with 127 countries and manage over 5,000 global projects. To help our listeners understand this, I would love for you to tell me a favorite project or two and give us examples from each category. So let's start with biodiversity. What is your favorite project that falls under climate change? Okay, so starting from biodiversity, um, maybe I'll start with a Jaguar conservation project that uh, we highlighted also with Microsoft and you. Um, recently in the video. Um, So we work on jaguar conservation with communities in Panama, um, where jaguar habitat, the landscape and the forest is actually degraded. So we're working with communities to um, save the forest, monitor the jaguar population, and try to come up with alternative means of income rather than hunting, you know, the jaguars or um, um, destroying the environment and, you know, doing more sustainable agriculture and other um, ecotourism and other works on the ground. So we work with community groups and civil society organization working on this. Um, on climate change, um, my favorite project is actually um, a project on solar panel. Um, so we are installing solar panel around the world and actually a group called um, 
um, a, a, a group of women actually have been supporting developing and maintaining these solar panel and putting on um, community places like hospitals or um, community uh, centers and so that it can be electrified and use that electricity to gain more income, like, you know, making soaps, making uh, um, handicrafts and other things. And also kids can also study now in the night by having electricity. And so we are working in many countries around the world, installing solar panels and having um, electricity access, as well as, you know, this will increase, uh, decrease the CO2 emission by using the regular, you know, fossil fuel generated energies. Wow, this made me think of so, so solar panels. Here where I'm based, Austin, there's a huge grocery store and it's fully powered by solar panels. So yeah, I think solar panels are a really cool way to fight climate change. Okay, so now can you explain what work you do with international waters? Great. So international waters means, you know, shared water, like um, ocean to start with, like, you know, it's not only one country that shares the uh, coastal line. So, you know, countries come together to protect the coastal line. It can be also rivers, river cross around many countries. So like Nile River or Congo, you know, those rivers go through many, many countries. So the many countries come together and come up with an agreement how to keep the water clean and how to use that water more in a manageable way so that drought would not happen and you know we share the resources from upstream to downstream in a more equitable manner so our projects um my favorite one is about the fisheries program with communities um so to protect the um fisheries and also the ocean um, in Tonga, actually, there, there is community that uh, developed um, community protected areas so that they can uh, protect the island um, together with the community and also government. But then, you know, by protecting the coastal line, the fish population came back. And, you know, in the past, they had to go further out to do fishing. But now they can do it, the fishing actually from almost at, from the island. And it actually saves energy so that you don't need to go further out. It also saves fishing population. The fish population have come back and the coral reefs and everything else also came back. And then not only this community just started that, but then it has been replicated nationwide to 23 other protected areas, the marine protected areas. And they are now conserving this whole, you know, areas of uh, very rich, um, um, coral reefs and fisheries and uh, managing it by communities in a sustainable manner. So this is a one example from Tonga, but um, there is many countries around the world among our 127 countries that are working on similar initiatives. Wow. Yeah, this sound, that sounds really cool. I never thought about that in that way. That's cool that you're helping fish and not just like land animals. Okay, so now can you explain um, what land degradation is? Yeah, so land degradation means that uh, by um, deforestation, um, the land gets degraded or, you know, through agriculture, if you do intensive agriculture, the land get uh, the nutrition goes away, the soil gets really poor, so the land degrade. 
So this is a really big issue, particularly in Africa, in sub-Saharan Africa, where water is scarce and there is also a lot of deforestation going on. So there is uh, even a convention, uh, countries around the world came and said, you know, we'll combat desertification and deforestation. So, so that is what uh, the countries have agreed upon. And what we are trying to do on the ground is basically to bring in back more traditional way of agriculture, which is more um, uh, friendly to environment and also socially. It is more based on their culture, their traditional knowledge and manage the land in a more uh, long term and sustainable manner. So in case of um, good example is in Africa, uh, in sub-Saharan Africa, we are making uh, cocoa and like coffee in a shaded um, forest area so that you don't need to cut um, all the forest to grow um, for um, coffee. And so it's shaded and it's good for environment and it's good for the nutrition on the ground. And um, so in that way, you know, the production increases um, so they can make more income and then it's more sustainable. You can do these agriculture practice for a longer term and not worrying about the drought and other issues um, in, a, in a longer term. So this is like done in like um, Ethiopia and uh, Kenya and many other countries that we work in in Africa. And this brings in the food security issue. Food security is a very important issue in the world. Um, you know, many countries are lacking food so by introducing these um, agriculture practices, um, the communities have more stable food production and nutrition that they need. Okay, so what are organic pollutants and why are they important? So um, organic pollutants is about um, harmful chemicals. So basically there are many chemicals around the world, particularly um, like pesticides and um, you know, uh, fertilizers that has been really harmful to, to nature as well as human health. So um, some of the good examples from the past is um, DDT. This was basically to eradicate um, pests and you, know, you put it on all the agriculture products. And with the consequences of that, you know, many bird species and also other um, insects and animals have died. Um, it was good for malaria, actually, because, you know, the malaria, the, the mosquitoes die with DDT, but it also had a very harmful effect to human health, as well as to the population like um, bald eagles and um, other birds who have really decreased numbers and the population declined. So what we are doing is that uh, there are, you know, um, about 20 plus chemicals that are introduced as um, organic pollutants. And we basically try to uh, not use it, um, control it and make sure that these are uh, stored and not or, or burnt so that it's not used anymore. So, and bring in um, alternative means. Um, there are many organic matters that we can use instead and um, introducing those so that uh, we can continue to have more production for agriculture and others, but, you know, stop using this harmful chemicals. Oh yeah, and I bet when you spray that on crops, does it hurt the crops? Would it like hurt you if you ate it? 
Yeah, so there could be harmful impact to yourself as well, but uh, basically because there's no insects and other things, you know, um, the, the product itself, like the wheats or the rice or others grow better, but yeah, it has, you know, um, negative impact to, there, there could be potential negative impact to the health. So that's why, you know, you find in the shops, um, like organic products where they don't use these, um, pesticides and other chemicals in the food. And, uh, those are considered much better for your health as well as for the environment and, um, yeah, being uh, more promoted around the world. Great. Okay, so what is mercury and how does your small grants program focus on this topic? So mercury is something that uh, you can find, for example, in the thermometer. You see that uh, bubbles in it. Uh, it's, it's useful for it, um, but uh, it has really harmful uh, impact to health. So you use it for yeah, thermometers and other medical equipment. We also use that for um, getting gold. So to purify and clean up gold, you use mercury. And in developing countries, you use it in a really huge amount um, to do that. And it has really impact to the health of the miners. Um, some of them don't have any equipment. They hold mercury in their hands and have impact like they can't move their hands anymore. They're shaking all the time. There is a huge impact. So what we're doing is that uh, rather than um, stop using mercury and introduce alternative means, um, there are different technologies like you can shake it and, uh, you know, um, distinguish gold and sand um, rather than using, you know, mercury. Um, you can use water and uh, stay in the water. And so there is a lot of different techniques. So we introduce those alternative technologies and means um, as well as, you know, um, raise awareness among these people, particularly indigenous peoples are hard hit by these uh, issues, uh, particularly they have, you know, lack of information and lack of alternatives. And so we support on introducing those and, uh, you know, shift to uh, a different technology um, all along. Wow, I didn't know any of that. That sounds really cool, especially about the gold. I never knew that. That's really interesting, and that project sounds really cool. Okay, so now can you give an example of a powerful project that falls under sustainable forest management? Yep, so sustainable forest management. So maybe I can focus on a community forest management projects that we support in. Um, those are, you know, basically projects that community come together and basically manage a forest land um, in a longer term. Like, you know, they have a lease from the government for 100 years and come up with a sort of plan so that uh, they can manage and use those forests in a longer term. So it's not only just protecting the forest, but, you know, it's more towards using it in a more um, smart way rather than deforestating and just use it uh, right away. And uh, maybe in a short term, you gain, you know, both money as well as, you know, food and other things. But, you know, once it's gone, it's gone. So the community have come together, own the land together, um, manage that and uh, use it together. So these kind of technology, you know, sort of approaches has been implemented in Nepal and India and other South Asian countries. It's also quite common in uh, 
um, in the Amazon area where indigenous peoples have come together. We manage also indigenous peoples community conserved areas. These are areas that the communities have, indigenous peoples have long term term owned it and managed it um, and it's sort of giving back their rights um, to use that land and protect it and protect their forests so that they can use the natural resources within it in a more sort of uh, longer term with uh, sort of assured rights. Um, so what we do uh, a lot is also to um, uh, protect and also promote um, human rights um, of these uh, indigenous peoples and community so that they can uh, manage the resources among the communities and use it. Yeah, deforestation is a really big problem. So it sounds like a really great project. So where local people can protect their own forests. Okay, so now what does food security mean? Good. So food security, as I mentioned earlier, is that, you know, because of climate change, because of deforestation, because of land degradation, you know, many of um, the land, the production of the land to grow agriculture products and others are declining in some places. So to secure the food production and make sure that uh, people have the necessary nutrition, we try to promote food security so that uh, they can um, have food in a longer term by introducing more organic agriculture or more sustainable land use, meaning that, uh, as I explained earlier, with um, shaded uh, uh, coffee growth um, or introducing um, organic uh, fertilizers to agriculture land so that it's not harming the environment and the water and the land. Um, these technologies can, you know, in a longer term, secure food and uh, have a more stable food production in these places. Great. Okay. So when you work to create a sustainable city, what does this mean? Right. So sustainable cities is something that uh, many cities are currently working on. Like, you know, urbanization in the world is really rapidly happening. And, you know, we're talking about more than half of the population will be living in you know, urban centers very quickly. So making cities more green, making cities more environmental friendly, and also thinking about um, social impact, um, people's uh, 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 life, um, not only, you know, economic gains from developing uh, a city, we try to basically introduce more renewable energy to the city, or also think about urban parks and urban agriculture. Like, you know, I think you've heard about making honey in the cities is possible. Like, you know, in the rooftop, people are doing honey production. And, you know, by having a park and the flowers in the parks, you know, the honey can actually grow and, you know, be more diverse. Biodiversity comes back in the city. So these kind of greener cities is what we are sort of promoting and um, also more um, a circular economy. We call it uh, basically, you know, try to reduce waste, but more recycle so that you develop that system within the city so that you don't, you have less waste and recycle the waste and um, have a more sort of um, zero waste community with a circular economy within that city is 
what Sustainable City is about. That's amazing. Okay, so now let's switch gears a bit and let's dig deep and find ways that kids my age can make a difference. So what do you mean when you say think globally, act locally? Great. So what it means is that uh, in order to make a difference for the global environment, like, you know, biodiversity is a big word and, you know, to save tigers or save snow leopard, you know, many of the kids will think about like, what can I really do? But, you know, by you taking a small step locally makes a huge difference globally. Um, So like, I actually have two kids. Um, similar age to you one is 11 and another is 16 you know by just you know bringing a water bottle instead of a plastic bottled water you're already making a huge difference to the world right I mean if you consider about maybe if you're using every day a, a plastic water bottle then it's like 365 bottles a year but then if you have a reusable water bottle and by just doing that, you're really saving a lot of not only plastic, but plastic comes from fossil fuels and it uses a lot of electricity to just make it. Um, if you think about the footprint of that one water bottle, like plastic water bottle, um, and not using that makes a huge um, impact. So basically what we're talking about is a one step at a time at the local level. If you make a difference, it has a huge impact to the world. Definitely, you can always make a difference right from your home. You don't have to go to Africa to make a difference. And it's important to remember, even though Africa's on the other side of the world, they still need our help and you can always make a difference. Okay, so, How do you engage kids and teenagers with the work that you do that is implemented by the UNDP? And can you start by telling us what UNDP stands for? Great. So UNDP stands for United Nations Development Program. And um, it's a mouthful, I know. It's one of the UN organization um, that is working to support countries for more sustainable development, meaning that, uh, you know, we are, we are present in 170 countries, um, supporting countries to alleviate poverty. So basically stop poverty and um, um, develop so that you have education, you have better environment, you have better government, you have, you know, better infrastructure. So support the country's development is what we do. And the countries actually have um, agreed on a thing called sustainable development goals in the UN. It was agreed in 2015 for, as, as, a, as a goal for all the countries around the world committed that we wanna alleviate poverty, we wanna have clean water, we wanna have gender equality. So we, they all agreed upon it and um, UNDP supports those work um, to strive to achieve that in, in all the countries that we work in. Um, in terms of your question about um, youth and um, 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 children, so our program um, is actually supporting you know, 25,000 projects around the world. And it's a really a lot of projects, um, but um, most of this project, um, about 47% of these projects involve youth. Um, youth bring in innovation, new ideas, um, and also more, you know, newer approaches 
and also the enthusiasm um, to, to make a change. So the, they only not uh, work on on the ground projects like what we I talked about, like conservation projects or renewable projects or you know fisheries projects. I mean, they are working on the ground as youth, but also they're working with governments and and also change policies. So you do campaigns, you do advocacy, um, um, and and make a difference to the leaders who make these decision and they all listen to the youth opinion of course i mean you're the next generation and we really need to hear about what you want in the future and what your dreams are so that we incorporate that into the decision making of these governments um and then yeah so we also do um training and capacity building so raise awareness about environmental issues we do you know, cleanup campaigns or trainings or other things with kids as well. Um, and we always bring, you know, youth to UN um, uh, events, like, you know, many these assemblies and others, you see a, a, a delegate of youth and we hear their voices and we try to um, incorporate, you know, the diverse views of the, the society in that way. Definitely. It's up to my generation to make a difference because we can't wait till we're older. I mean, in 10 years, elephants are going to be gone if we don't take action. So involving youth, my generation, is really great. Okay, so my final question is, how can kids my age, both in the United States and countries all around the world, play a role in mending our planet? Can you tell us real things that we can do to start taking action now? So actually, we have been working with um, um, schools and um, communities around the world with children. And I think uh, what you can start doing is really, you know, make a difference from your surrounding. So, you know, I talked about uh, the plastic bottle example earlier. Um, you know, you can stop using it and using uh, reusable bottles, or you can also start um, working on community gardens and, you know, start working on um, growing more organic um, food or organic plants and crops. I mean, there are many activities like that. And that all really, you know, leads to a big change of waves. And, you know, what uh, people start to do makes a huge difference and make a huge wave to make a difference. And I think, you know, youth with a new digital technology and also, uh, innovative thinking can make a huge difference to that. And also linking up, I think, uh, people in U.S. and also like in Africa and Asia, we also try to link up. We call it um, um, sort of South-South cooperation, like, you know, one countries from another, like Pacific to Caribbean, the children talk to each other and share what they're doing you know, in terms of plastic cleanup or, you know, conservation of species or or all these activities, they can do these exchanges and sort of replicate in your own places. And I think these are really powerful ways to exchange views and approaches and make a huge difference on the ground. Definitely. Well, that was my last question. Thank you so much for being here with me today. And before we sign off, where can kids and teens go to learn more about the UNDP and all the amazing projects you're involved in? 
Great. So I guess, uh, you know, you can come and uh, link up with us in the website um, at uh, www.sgp.undp.org or we're also active in Twitters and uh, um, also Facebooks and others. So, um, yeah, but uh, do contact me and uh, happy to engage and see what we can do together. Perfect. We'll have all those links below. And thank you so much for being here today. It was great talking to you and learning about all the amazing work you're doing. Thank you so much, Kate. It's been great talking with you. Let's go! limits.